All right. Well, we are definitely excited to be here at Community Baptist Temple. And as far as the rotund part, I'm working on that. Uh, we'll, we'll get there eventually. I think it's a Baptist preacher thing. You've got to be uh, a little overweight. But um, we, are, we are really excited to be here. And uh, we're, we're excited about the future. That's where the most excitement lies. Um, it's just amazing to come here. Now, I've been at many churches. I've been to many churches. I've sat under many preachers. And um, one thing that this church has that a lot of churches I've been to does not have is excitement and growth. A lot of churches don't have it, so don't take it for granted. As you sit in the pew this evening, as you sit under the leadership of Pastor O'Donnell, don't let that be something that you take for granted. And um, it's an amazing thing, and uh, we're excited to be part of it, to be able to serve the Lord. Nothing more exciting than that. And, um, you know, moving to a new church is always a little bit of a, there's always an adjustment period. And I think one of the most difficult things for me is getting adjusted to the service schedule. I mean, I remember the first time that I moved up to Toledo when I was working up there. And, uh, you know, they're going through their schedule. And we get in a habit, so Baptist, you know, this is how the service goes. And I'm sitting up on the platform. This has got to be the second service I'm there. And um, I'm just totally oblivious, you know, used to the, how I go to church and how my services are. And this is different. And they go, to, they go to stand where I'm usually sitting. And I remember plain as day, just sitting down right on the platform. I'm sitting up here, and everyone's standing, singing a song. And that was a little embarrassing, but I say that to say this, the first service we were here, and we're sitting back there, and it's time to stand and sing, and here goes my wife and I sitting down. But uh, we are excited uh, to be here this evening. But before I go any further uh, in the message this evening, I want to challenge you, I want to challenge all of us to purpose in our hearts before we hear anything from the Word of God. This is not about me. This is about the message that the Lord has given me. And um, before we go any further, I want you to purpose with me this evening that what you hear, you'll do something with. We come to church so often and hear tremendous messages, a thirst for a relationship with God. And we've forgotten it before we got out those back doors. Before they could hit us in the rear end, it's gone. I want you to purpose and commit with me this evening that if the Lord speaks to your heart, that it won't be something that will just leave as soon as you're out of the building, but that'll be something that sticks with you. And with that in mind, I'd ask you to turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. And I thank Preacher for this opportunity to stand before you this evening. It's not something that I take lightly at all. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 and we're going to read uh, just a couple of verses here through 25. It says in verse 23, let us, be hold, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. I want us to focus this evening on those last few words of verse number 25, as you see the day approaching. I don't know about you this evening, but I can see that day approaching. I'm a young man. I can see the time where it, we have got to be getting closer to the return of Christ. For me, with that in mind, time is just flying by. It is flying by. I'm only 20, I'll be 27 years old this year comparatively a young man to many of you in this room. 
But even for me, I just recall having a conversation the other day with my father-in-law uh, how quickly time is flying by. I was reminiscing of just the, the years that have passed since I've been married to my wife. be five years. And, and the time that I've served in the ministry. And, and then back even further to the time where I committed to go to Bible college or where I surrendered to the Lord. And I, and I recall the time that's lapsed since then and how quickly it's gone by. It's, I mean, I feel, literally feel, I don't know if you've been to that Cedar Point, that top thrill dragster. I mean, it, boom, you're back in your seat. Now, that's why the, all the old people, you got hair that's blown back and receding hairlines. I think it's time just flying by too quickly. But um, it is. It's a serious thing. And time, is that me? Time is flying by. As we look forward to the day when the Lord will return, I'm reminded that I've got to do something with the time that I do have, though. As we see the day approaching. We know that our life, the Bible says, what is our life? It is is but a vapor that appeareth for a while and vanisheth away. We've seen a can of aerosol sprayed before and how quickly it evaporates. And as we look between now and when the Lord will return, how short a time we have. How short a time we have to be reaching forth. How short a time we have to be harvesting souls. How short a time we have. And as I look around in the world today, and I see the, the level of godlessness, and even apostasy, where even those that call themselves Christians are denying the Word of God. Where those that are... that that, that I've even known some, believe it or not, that have served as pastors in churches or assistant pastors in churches that today, men my age, have completely turned to say, I don't believe in hell. I don't believe in heaven. That can't be real. As the day approaches, as we look around as the the wickedness that is in the world, a, a nation that is rapidly declining, a nation where we abort over 126,000 babies a year. Can you imagine the murder that we commit? Of over the 2.5 million marriages that will end up in divorce every year. Public schools where Christian teachers are even fired for just teaching intelligent design. Not even creation, just intelligent design. Of courtrooms where what God calls an abomination is turned over and our marriages are corrupted. The sanctity of marriage is corrupted. Of preschools where children are sent home with their simple books to learn how to read, but in those books they promote that Johnny has two daddies. A nation who watches an average of more TV than there's even hours in a day. A nation where two out of three high school Christian High school graduates will never step foot back in church again after graduation. A nation where the normal response to a tragedy or calamity is to, diffi- is to blame God instead of turning to Him. A nation where even our government, we no longer, they no longer answer to us, but we're answering to them. I mean, as you, as you sit with me this evening, I think you would agree... That we are in wicked days. We have quite the task before us. And difficult days will lay ahead. 
But in that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than we believed. The day is approaching where we will stand before the Lord. I want to challenge you in a few areas regarding the day approaching. But firstly, before I get into any of that, I just read Romans 13.11. For now is our salvation nearer than we believed. Before I get into any challenge, I want to ask you this evening. Is your salvation nearer than you believed? Or is your damnation nearer than you believed? Because some of us will sit in the pew this evening not even having accepted Christ as our Savior. My wife will give testimony that just over a year ago, she accepted Christ as her Savior. That was after 25 years of growing up in an independent, fundamental Baptist church. Of four years of serving as an assistant pastor's wife. It took a little bit of guts. took some conviction. But she got it settled. And I'd ask you this evening, do you have it settled? We heard this morning, and as we approach this Easter season, we'll remember the sacrifice. As we just saw with the, the silent choir, the cross. The sacrifice has already been paid. The gift is in an outstretched hand is but to be received. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? And if you had, if you have, that's where our challenge comes in this evening. With the day approaching, the first area I'd like to challenge you this evening is in keeping your focus on the revelation. Keeping your focus on the revelation, knowing that the Lord's return is imminent, we've got to have a walk with Him. I'm not talking about daily Bible reading. I'm talking about a daily walk with Him. Walking together with the Lord. A relationship that goes beyond words on a page. A relationship that goes beyond sitting in a pew. A relationship that even goes beyond soul winning and tithing. All those things will come into place, but a lot of times we, uh, we excuse our lack of relationship with God by saying, I do all this. But this is the foundation of a Christian's life. A relationship and a walk with the Lord. All those other pieces will fall into place if this foundation is laid. Keep your focus on the revelation. The Word of God, it is a relevant tool for us to use today. It is not something that's expired or old, antiquated. It is something relevant for today. It's a tool to be used in a daily walk with the Lord. The Bible says in Hebrews 4, verse 12, For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of sunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Word of God is a sword. It's a tool to be used. It's, and it's, what it says here is that that sword can be used in different capacities. It can be used to discern between good and evil. It can be used to cut away the, the weights and the sins that so easily beset us as we reach forth. If we're going to succeed in reaching forth, we've got to have a relationship and a walk with God. 
we got to utilize the sword. But not only is the Word of God a tool as in a sword, but the Word of God is a tool as in a lamp. In Hebrew, in Psalms 119, verse 105, it says, The Word, thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Where, what direction are we going as Christians? How do we know? The Word of God. What should we be doing? The day is approaching. What should I be doing? The Word of God is a lamp. It's to find our way in this wicked and dark world that we live in. We've already established that. And if we try to go day in and day out without having a light to guide our way, to navigate through this world, where are we going to wind up? Lost. Every single time. Try to get out in a dark cornfield, Iowa. That's what they've got, cornfields and pigs. And my wife. Right? Cha-ching. Um... But no, you get out in those dark cornfields in Iowa. If you don't have a light, you get turned around so quick in those cornfields. You had no idea what you're going. I like to hunt. I don't know if anyone in this room likes to hunt, but um, I like to bow hunt. And uh, I, I remember many times getting on my climber, my climbing deer stand and having it on my back and going into an area that I wasn't familiar with. Maybe my, I was with my father-in-law or a friend, just not an area I was familiar with, walking through the woods. And I remember on an occasion that he pointed me in a direction and said, go that way. But I didn't want to use my light because I was afraid I'd spook something. He pointed in the direction, and I started off going the right way. But quickly, I was nowhere near my end destination. And as Christians, a lot of times we'll sit here in the pew and we'll get some direction. We'll hear from the man of God. We'll hear from maybe even a spouse. Something that the Lord's speaking to them. And it gives us a little bit of direction, but because we have no lamp in our own life, because we have no light in our own life, we may appear to be going the right direction, but we're going to end up off track. The Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It gives us a guide in this dark world. But also, the Word of God is, can be used as a lamp to light the law the standards and the convictions that we should have as Christians can be found in the Word of God. They're not something that we have to establish on our own. There's no second guessing. There's no doubting. If we look into the Word of God, Proverbs 6.23 says, For the commandment is a lamp and the law is a light. You don't have to second guess it. The Word of God sheds light on the standards and the principles that we should live our lives by. But not only is the Word of God a tool as in a sword or a lamp, it's also a tool as in a fire. In Jeremiah 23, verse 29, it says that when I am tried, then I will come forth as gold. Fire is an element that can be used for heat, can be used for comfort, and can be used for purifying. The Word of God is a tool that can be used for heat, for that purifying in our lives. That we come forth as gold. What I, I, many of you may be familiar with the illustration of how that works, but how that you would heat gold up and then take and scrape that dross off the top. Those impurities. And the more you heat, the more those impurities will surface and you continue to scrape. And the more often you do it, the purer it gets. And you continue to heat, scrape them off, and you get pure product. Same exact way in a Christian's life. 
the more we heed our lives by using the Word of God, by focusing on the revelation, it begins to purify our lives. And we get rid of that dross. We scrape it off. And we get a little bit deeper. And we scrape it off. And we get a little bit deeper. When I am tried, then I shall come forth as gold. The Word of God as a fire will purify us. It's a tool to be used on a daily basis. And an element that we so often overlook is our relationship with God as a Christian. Keep your focus on the revelation. One of the most convicting verses in the Bible for me as a Christian, I know I'm saved. I know what a walk with God should be like. But in Luke chapter 24, verse 32, the disciples say one to another, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us by the way? We're talking about keeping our focus on the revelation, a relationship with God. How often do our hearts burn within us? Because the Lord spoke to us. Think of how excited the disciples were as the Lord appeared to them uh, walking along the road and they, they conversed with the Lord and they heard from God and they knew that it was a powerful thing. They said, our hearts burned within us. And He disappeared. But we have the Lord. We have the chance to walk with Him by the way. We have the chance to have that feeling of our hearts burning within us. It's our choice whether we have that as part of our walk or not. The Word of God. Keep your focus on the revelation. Set my heart, O dear Father, on Thee and Thee only. Give me a thirst for Thy presence divine. Lord, keep my focus on loving Thee wholly. Purge me from earth. Turn my heart after Thine. A passion for Thee, O Lord, set a fire in my soul and a thirst for my God. Hear Thou my prayer, Lord, thy power impart, not just to serve, but to love thee with all of my heart. Do you love the Lord this evening? Do you have that walk with God, that focus on the revelation? The day is approaching. Our time is short. We've got to have that foundational walk with the Lord. And secondly, I'd like to challenge you this evening, not only just to keep your focus on the revelation as we see the day approaching, but to keep your feet on the rock. Turn with me this evening, if you would, to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Keep your feet on the rock. Here we see the parable that the Lord is teaching His disciples about the wise man that builds his house upon the rock. And it says in verse number 24, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which buildeth his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. The house founded on the things of Christ 
when those winds, those vehement winds and those tidal waves and those floods will come, if, you're, if your feet are planted on the rock, you'll be able to stand. But if you've got one foot on the rock or one foot in the world, not going to be able to stand. Or maybe two feet in the world, not going to be able to stand. As Christians, we've got to keep our feet planted on the rock. And I ask you this evening, what is your house built upon? Who or what is your faith in? Are you depending this evening solely on maybe a nest egg you've accrued? One foot on the rock and one foot on the 401k? Great will be the fall of it. Proverbs 23.5, For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle towards the heaven. I know of couples that, not that they had their feet solely on this, but just to make a point, had investments and overnight lost hundreds of thousands of dollars. They're here for a while, and that, that's, not what, that's not where our value is as Christians. That's not what our investment should be in. It has no lasting effect. It doesn't last beyond material good. Do you truly depend on the Lord for your well-being? Or is it a dependence upon self? And if it's a dependence upon self, then your feet are not planted on the rock. Now more than ever, it's apparent to me that we as Christians, we need to be faithful to the things of God. And we can never be faithful if we're wishy-washy. If we're a lukewarm Christian. Because our feet are not planted on the rock. The Lord will always take care of His own. If you keep your feet planted on the rock, the Lord, Psalms 37, 25, I have been young, now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor the seed begging bread. I can testify to that over and over again. The Lord will provide. And the coming days, there's going to be many things that will cause your knees to shake as we see the day approaching. It could be an insecure stock market. It could be a threat to your employment. It may be a pay cut that you you could encounter. It could be the loss of your home. It could be troubles that will come in your life or that of the family or close friends. And so I exhort you this evening, as we read in, in Hebrews chapter 10, to exhort each other as we see that day approaching, to keep your feet on the rock. If your feet are planted in the rock, when those things come, when those trials come, when those testing come, and they will come, they will come, keep your feet planted on the rock. The rock is a firm foundation. It's a refuge. It's a place of protection. Psalm 62, verse 2, it says, From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee, when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. Psalms 18.2 The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God and my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. Psalm 27.5 For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. 
The Lord's our rock, in Him we hide. A shelter in the time of storm. Secure whatever ill betide. A shelter in this time of storm. A shade by day, defense by night. A shelter in the time of storm. No, uh, foes, no fears alarm, no foes affright. A shelter in the time of storm. The raging storms may round us beat. A shelter in the time of storm. We'll never leave our safe retreat. A shelter in the time of storm. O rock divine, O refuge dear, a shelter in the time of storm. Be thou our helper ever near, a shelter in the time of storm. O Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a weary land, a weary land. O Jesus is a rock in the weary land, a shelter in the time of storm. We're foolish as Christians if we don't have our feet planted on the rock. We're not going to be able to take the things that come our way without our feet planted on the rock. We're not going to be able to reach forth without our feet planted. What's the most important part of running? Having your feet planted. Having footing, right? If you don't have a good, those, those runners, they got those fancy spiked shoes so they can get a good footing. They can get some good traction. And we as Christians, we need to keep our feet planted on the rock. A lot of us Christians today... What we want to do is we want to keep one foot on the rock and one foot in the mire. And that's really the only option. You can either be on the rock or you can be in the mire. There's no fence to ride. You're in or you're out. And so I would ask you this evening to get committed to being with your feet on the rock. Firmly planted on the rock. So I ask you not only this evening to keep your focus on the revelation as we see the days approaching, to keep your feet on the rock, but lastly, I would ask you and challenge you and exhort you to keep your fear of a holy God. To keep your fear of a holy God as we see the day approaching. Where we'll stand before the Lord, every single one of us in this room, Every single one that names the name of Christ. If you don't, you'll be at that white throne judgment. If not, you'll stand at the judgment seat of Christ. And you'll answer. We'll answer. For every thought. For every action. Our motives, our desires. There won't be any valid excuses that day. I think there'll be a lot of weeping. I know I have many shortcomings. But as we see the day approaching, we need to keep a fear of our holy God. Fear, if nothing else, is a great motivator to do what we ought to be doing as Christians. To be the faithful Christians we ought to be. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 27 through 29, it says, But a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. And focus on this verse, verse number 29. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, 
and hath done so, and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. It's talking about the man who's sanctified here. If we look back in verse number 10, it would be talking about how the Christian man, but they which we, uh, but they, uh, but the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. That's what it's talking about. Those that have accepted Christ as their Savior. How much sore a punishment shall be for those Christians, for those of us who knew what to do and did it not. Think about it this evening. How much sore a punishment when we stand before God and we answer for what we didn't do that we knew we ought to. Sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you a faithful soul winner? Being faithful to give back the increase that the Lord has given you. Are you a faithful tither? Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. Are you faithful to the house of God? Are you faithful? Are you faithful? Something we can't hear enough of as Christians. Are we faithful? Because it's an error. we're human. We are flesh. We're prone to wander. And that's why we need to keep a fear of a holy God. The Christian, not only that isn't faithful, how much sore a punishment, but how about for the Christian that not only isn't faithful, but brings shame to the name of the Lord? How do we do that? By calling ourselves a Christian, but not acting like one. As we go out into our workplaces and we allow the man standing next to us to take the Lord's name in vain, how much sore a punishment? As we go out into the world and in, indulge in the, in the worldly entertainment and the lust of the flesh, how much sore a punishment? Those that bring shame to the name of the Lord. Lord, I pray that that will never be me. When you act like the world, that's when you bring shame to His name. So I ask a stern question this evening. What is our fear of the Lord really like? And I would confess, even in my own life, the Lord spoke to me on this area as I was preparing this. Because if we've really had a true understanding or a true and genuine fear, we would be motivated to do a whole lot more. we would do a lot more because we would understand the gravity of the situation that we're in as we see the day approaching. Do we have the proper fear of God in our lives? If we had the proper fear of God in our lives, there would be words that would be removed from our vocabulary. There would be more minutes in the day that are spent getting to know Him there would be more times that we're out soul winning. As we see the days approaching, keep your fear of a holy God. We have no excuse tonight as Christians, especially as Christians of member, as members of Community Baptist Temple, because we know what the Bible says. We know what we 
as Christians, our responsibilities are. You've heard them over and over again. I've only been here for two weeks, and I can guarantee you that you've heard what you're supposed to be doing just from the messages that I've heard in two weeks. We've heard the full counsel of the Word of God. In the days approaching, what are we going to do with it? Are you going to keep your focus on the revelation? Are you going to keep your feet on the rock? Are you going to keep a fear of a holy God? I would ask everyone to stand with me this evening, if you would. As the pianist comes. And think back to the beginning of the message, if you would, with me. To the time where I asked you to purpose. If the Lord spoke to your heart, that you wouldn't allow it to go undone.